Good morning, Blue Jays fans, and welcome to another episode of Jaybird Watching. I am Craig Borden, my buddy here with me, as always, Brendan Panikar. How's it going, my friend? Not bad, Craig. How are you? I'm doing very good. We got a nice little game going on here this evening um, as we're recording this show for the early commutes tomorrow morning after hopefully the Blue Jays come back from this current 2-1 to deficit. But there are plenty of good things going on in this Blue Jays game right now for the Blue Jays and Red Sox. Especially that Aaron Sanchez went deep with Clayton Richard going to be pitching out of pitch count tomorrow. So definitely saving the bullpen. But hopefully Daniel Hudson isn't about to make this lead grow even more for the Red Sox. <laughs> Let's not allude too much yet. <laughs> Let's introduce our guest and a former regular on this show, hoping to make that more prevalent again. Hayden Godfrey of Jays Journal and other minor league Lansing Lugnuts news. Hayden, how's it going? Oh, it's going great, Craig. How are you doing? Doing wonderful, and we are so glad to have you back on the show, man. Oh, and I'm glad to be here. Thank you so much for having me. So, let's hit that one off, man. Lansing Lugnuts, you've been uh, paying very close attention to them and doing some good writing for them with one of our uh, other friends, is Jesse Goldberg-Strassler. Um, what have you seen from the Lansing Lugnuts that Blue Jays fans maybe should be getting excited about? Well, Craig, I mean, this is a, this is a really exciting team. And, and, you know, in minor leagues, we talk a lot about sort of the volatility of some of these players. They're here one day, gone the next. But on this 2019 Lansing Lugnuts team, there are a couple players that people really, really should be paying attention to. I mean, mainly Jordan Groshans, who's hitting over 330. I mean, he's a shortstop with an OPS over 900. Um, he's had a little bit of trouble in the field with some errors, but generally he's looked pretty good. Um, you know, there are some great outfielders right now. DJ Neal has been fantastic. Uh, Nick Podcole, who's pretty much their utility player, who's pretty much everywhere. Uh, Reggie Pruitt, who seems to be a lug nuts mainstay, has 20 steals already on the year. He's only appeared in 43 games. Uh, and you know, on the pitching side, it hasn't been as consistently amazing, but there's been some really good arms. I mean, Josh Winkowski has sort of come out of the woodwork. Uh, we've seen Jackson Reese, who's a reliever, pretty much come out of nowhere. Um, you know, uh, Connor Law, one of their biggest arms, just got called up to Dunedin. So their pitching staff's in a little bit of work right now. But overall, this is a really exciting team. And even without Alejandro Kirk, who just got called up to Dunedin, this is a team to watch. And the thing that's sort of been striking me about this Lugnuts team is it's not loaded up with the Vlads, the Bichettes, the Biggios. Um, it, a lot of lower level prospects, perhaps that some might even consider lottery ticket. But even at that, you know, they've still been exciting to watch. They've been putting up very competitive games and they've been giving Blue Jays fans something to look forward to. Yeah, and I think that's the best way of saying it. We've gotten used to now the super prospect at the, top, at the top end of the Meyer League system. We forget that there are always these guys that are going to be step-up role players that are a lot. Some of them might even pan out to be somebody that completely surprises you and you just never know, and there are plenty of those guys on this team and forming out a really nice roster. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting because some of the guys that you think would be huge aren't, and some of the guys that you thought wouldn't be that much would be. I mean, Jackson Reese is one of my favorite examples of that. He came out of the University of Hawaii. Uh, he wasn't actually drafted, was just signed as an amateur free agent. Uh, but in 17 innings this year, he has 30 strikeouts and has an ERA of .53. I mean, these are video game numbers, guys. You know, whereas on the tail end of that, you have Juan de Paula, who's currently in the Jays' top 30 prospects, acquired uh, from the Giants in the Kevin Pillar trade, has an ERA over 770. 
and in 30 innings. I mean, not a fantastic start to his Blue Jays tenure. So, you know, the thing about prospect and prospect rankings more succinctly is that everything always ends up changing. Um, and it seems like a two or three month stretch can just be so huge for some of these guys' stock. But either way, it's just tremendously interesting to watch. Brendan? Yeah, Hayden, I want to ask you about what you've seen or heard about Josh Winkowski because he's really been catching my eye on Twitter. People are starting to talk about him a little more. Obviously, you were saying Jordan Groshans is definitely the main attraction down in down in Lansing with the lug nuts. But Winkowski, when he first got in the organization in 13 innings, had a 461 ERA. In 54 innings in 2017, it was 533. But the last two years, he seems to have figured something out. What has made Josh Winkowski click to the point where in 44 innings this year, he has a 164 ERA? That's a really good question, Brendan. And you know what? That's actually something that a lot of people in and around the organization still really haven't been able to put their finger on. You know, not not that he hasn't been great, which you mentioned that. I mean, the 164 ERA in over 40 innings is tremendous. For me, the main thing for Josh is keeping the walks down. I mean, although he has a whip of 1.23, the fact that he has 14 walks in those 44 innings uh, is pretty good. He's giving up his fair share of hits. His strikeout numbers probably aren't where they want to be, but his command has been excellent, really. He used to, you know, he, he, he really lost sight of a lot of players last season. He had some issues keeping in the strike zone, and I think a lot of it is just confidence. You know, there wasn't a lot of pitching entering this season for the Lansing Lugnuts. So the fact that he's sort of, you know, not a lot of expectations. I mean, we talk about that even at the major league level, right? These guys come in, they don't have huge expectations, and they end up playing some of the best ball of their life. So I think it's a combination of a lot of things. But, you know, as you hit on it, he's been tremendous. And, you know, him and and even though Sean Weimer has got off to a little bit of a rough start run-wise, he's been eating up innings and, and really has formed sort of a, a tremendous front end of the rotation for the Lugs. So at this point... You've hit a couple guys on the head here. Who surprised you the most out of this roster, or is it Josh Winkowski? It might be Winkowski. It might be Jackson Reese. I mean, it's a little bit difficult. One guy who I would think actually has surprised me the most in possibly a negative way is Hagen Danner, uh, the catcher in 30 games, hitting 152. I mean, the offensive numbers just aren't really there. I mean, he has four home runs, uh, 10 ribbies, which are near Those the top of the team ranking. Those were his first four hits as a land this year. <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly. And he got off to such a hot start. And to my, you know, to my understanding from what we've seen, he's been playing some pretty good defense. Um, you know, but the offense just isn't there for him. Um, you know, on the on the pitching side of things, one of my favorite young pitchers the Lugs have is Kobe Johnson, who is actually the uh, the son of former Blue Jays bullpen coach Dane Johnson. Um, you know, in 34 innings this year, Kobe's kept his ERA under four, gotten some big strikeouts. The walks are a little bit high, but he's really putting things together. And it's those. Types of stories that you just let him go out there, and you know, in my conversations with folks in and around the Lugnuts organization, it's very clear they're prioritizing the development of these players, right? So you have guys that maybe don't have the best stats on paper, but they're getting out there, they're getting the innings, they're playing in professional situations, they're they're forming really deep bonds with their teammates, and you know, the, the, something that I say to, to Jesse Goldberg Strasler a lot is we love these guys and we love Alejandro Kirk and we love Jordan Groshans, but if they're gone tomorrow, that's good news for everyone. Correct. And uh, Kirky being the big name that has been promoted so far as a Lansing lug nut, batted just one tick south of 300, but manages to hit three home runs in that time frame, six doubles and drives in eight. That was only in 21 games, uh, guys. And that's, this is a guy that when I happened to be hanging out with Zach Helton in Bluefield last year, everybody literally 
takes their beer, sits it down, their food, whatever, stops and watch this guy attentively. There was just nothing else going in the ballpark except for watching Alejandro Kirk hit in Bluefield. So seeing him progress like he has this so far this season, great things for the organization that has been notoriously thin at catcher over the years. It seems like we might have bucked that trend a little bit lately. I hope so. There's so much impressive catching depth in the organization. Hey, you touched on Jesse Goldberg's Strasser briefly. Give us a little bit of detail on the work you do with him and describe your relationship with him because Blue Jays fans got a taste of Jesse Goldberg's Strasser during spring training this year. And man, he is a very impressive commentator. What do you do exactly for the Lug Nuts? And describe Jesse to us for those who may not know much about him. Yeah, so Brendan, I'll, I'll try not to, to gush too much on Jesse because I admire him greatly, as I'm sure you know. We all know his his prowess as, as a broadcaster, I'm just as a commentator. To my next road trip to hang out with him for a few. Oh, minutes. he's so. I mean, Jesse, I'll say you know, with regards to my relationship with him, he's he's given me some fantastic opportunities to commute uh, to co- to contribute. Excuse me to the Lugnuts organization. What I do for the Lugnuts is I contribute to their digital content. So if you head over to milb.com/lansing or lansinglugnuts.com, you'll be able to see some articles that Jesse, myself, and Adam Jackson, who's the uh, the play-by-play, or sorry, the color commentator uh, for the Lugnuts. Um, and we do, what I do specifically is I do some of the player spotlights. So every single week, um, you know, I'll take a look at some of the material that Jesse has gathered and put together a little article sort of showcasing a specific Lugnuts player. I think the biggest, the biggest thing that the, the people have a difficulty with in getting into minor league baseball is the relatability of the players. There's not a lot of information available online. Their baseball reference pages really aren't that detailed. So what, you know, my goal and Jesse's goal with this is to sort of let the fans in a little bit more. I mean, I spoke, uh, or rather Jesse spoke to, to Jackson Reese, who's one of my favorite players on the, on the roster and talked to him for about two, three minutes, just about his college major. Um, which is something that you wouldn't normally care about, but it's something that's the, that's about the personality of a ball player. And, and you know, at this age, guys are still developing. I mean, heck, a lot of the guys are my age or just around my age. So it's a really interesting look into their lives. Um, I'm hoping to do a little bit more in-depth analysis on the team, but for now, I'm helping out with the digital content, and I'm also contributing uh, to Jesse's fantastic podcast, uh, Around the Nest, where he, in his words, Jay talks his way around the Blue Jays minor league system. But Jesse, <laughs> you know, as I'm sure a lot of people know, is absolutely tremendous. And, it, you know, it's a trend that we see around minor league baseball. The guys in New Hampshire are fantastic. Craig, I'm really glad you brought up Zach Kelton because I was able to to um, to pick his brain on an article that I did earlier this year about Eric Pardino. Um, all these guys in the minor leagues are fantastic. They love what they do. Their craft is excellently refined. They have an immense passion for their organization, and, and they care about the game of baseball. And I you know, really can't say enough about Jesse, about, about Adam, about the Lugnuts organization. I'm, I'm thrilled to be able to work with them, and I, and I can't wait to see what's to come for the organization. Yep. That's awesome. They have That's done a great good. job with uh, promoting their players in Lansing the last few years. Literally, the lug life thing is a great thing going on. <laughs> Well, it's great. And, you know, it's it's funny because as minor leagues, as minor league teams, and again, I'm not exactly the person to speak about, speak out about this, but marketing and getting the word out there is really, really difficult because, you know, the layman in Lansing, Michigan, or even the layman Blue Jays fan is not going to know some of the names we just talked about, even though they're somewhat household name for, names for us. So, yeah, if you're on Twitter, use the hashtag lug life and, and talk to the lug nuts. I mean, the, the, the team is great and uh, I, I'm really excited to be a part of it. Yeah, no, that's awesome, man. And for guys like me, I'll be completely honest, I'm not much of a minor league guru like Craig is or like you are now with Lansing Lugnuts, so I need that help. I mean, obviously, a lot of us big fans at the major league level 
don't necessarily know those guys down there. Obviously, everybody's hearing about Jordan Groshand and some of the other names down there, but no, definitely I'm going to be checking out your work more often to get myself more familiar with the monitor level, as should everybody who listens to the podcast today. Well, I appreciate that, Brendan, and I really, you know, I hope to bring that inside look, especially for some of the guys who are new to the system. I mean, a lot of the guys that we're seeing at Lansing this year played briefly in Bluefield. Maybe they played a month or two, got into 10, 12, 15 games, and are now in their first season of professional baseball. So when I say that these guys are new to the organization, I mean they're really new to the organization. So they're really getting their bearings down and, and really to show what they're made of. A lot of these guys have been working at it for years out of high school, out of college, and the passion that is in this organization and every you know minor league organization. Um, some of the other teams in the Midwest League, I should say all the other teams, are fantastic and they have the same passion for player development as the Lugs do. And some of the best names in all of minor league baseball are in the Midwest League. <laughs> well, I think Jesse mentioned Henry Henry on Twitter. I mean, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. I mean, I'm a fan of MC Gregory Contreras. Uh, I think he's got a fantastic name, um, but yeah, it's it's really funny. Um, you know, last year for for Jay's Journal, I had the pleasure of speaking to Maverick Buffo, who at the time was with the Dunedin Blue Jays. I don't know if he's still with Dunedin, but uh, yeah, minor league baseball might be got... hurt at the moment. But really, oh, I can't recall. I haven't. I feel like I haven't seen his name since <laughs> I was down and watching him last year in Dunedin. So, but he that was. I mean, like he was... A, that sounds like a country artist name, Maverick Buffo. I love oh, it. Absolutely. I mean, absolutely. And I believe he went to he went to BYU, so he was sort of in that whole scene. But yeah, I mean, you get some unique characters and some of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. I mean, if anyone, you know, not to sort of disclaim someone else's work, but if, if you guys have ever read the work of uh, Emily C. Walden for The Athletic, uh, she does yeah. a lot of fantastic stuff with minor league baseball. And, you know, you talk to her and you read her work and you say, these are just regular guys. They just love baseball. So it's, it's a really, really cool thing. Yeah, and to put the whole Lansing thing into perspective for everybody – almost all the big names in recent Blue Jay history have come through Lansing at one point in time. Ryan Barucki, um, Anthony Alford, Jonathan Davis, who is currently with the team, Ryan Goins, you know, all, all these fan favorites along with Bo Bichette, Vlad Jr., Kevin Biggio, everybody that has been a namesake in the recent. Exactly. And these are all guys that have played with it. And then even and I'll throw one more out there, Noah Syndergaard was a, once yeah. a Lansing Lugnut. So there has been tons of talent through the years, and Jesse has been had the pleasure of actually calling <laughs> all these games with all these superstar players. And these guys that we've been talking about in this early segment of the show, you never know which one of those guys is going to turn out to be the next Noah Syndergaard or the next surprise like Kevin Pillar making it to the major league level. Something like that, and there's always somebody that is going to be coming next. And it's just a great system, and I love the Lug Life stuff. All the fan interviews, Jesse's Around the Nest podcast, it just shows what is good in minor league baseball. You know what, guys? I'm going to chime in here. For Blue Jays fans listening to this podcast, if you want a chance to go down and see the Lansing Lug Nuts, I was looking at their schedule. They are home in East Lansing, the exact same weekend that the Blue Jays are in Detroit to play the Tigers. Jays and the Tigers, and either on Sunday on your way home, if you're going to go back through Sarnia, you can stop in in Lansing and catch the lug nuts, do it whatever way you want. But that lines up perfectly to catch major leagues and minor leagues. When was that again? I'm marking my calendar. (laughs) The weekend, I believe, of July 20th whatever that Friday, Saturday, Sunday is, right around then. I think it's the weekend after the All-Star break. There you go. So when we go on for a road trip, fellas. 
I think it's planned. <laughs> Although we, we got to do Buffalo first. Uh, whenever uh, whenever I finally decide to pack up and go down there for a Bison's game, it's I promise. Uh, <laughs> that's right. I promised our buddy, our good buddy uh, Hayden, to come with us, and I will stand by that. So I'll keep you posted on that. I love it, guys. The, the miners are fantastic. And, Craig, I just want to touch on something very, very uh, quickly that you mentioned there. I, my father had the pleasure of being in Lansing. I remember he told me, um, this is, I believe, the 2011 or 2012 season. Um, and at that time, Lugnuts in the rotation had Justin Nicolino, Anthony Disclafani, Noah Syndergaard, and Aaron Sanchez. So you never know, as you mentioned. And it, it's just – it's perfect the way some of these things work out and i you know it's 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 awesome to any baseball fan that just wants to get more into it it's a little hard to get into initially but it's a blast so but yeah so yeah it's it's a great organization and honestly i'm i couldn't be happier that the blue jays have been holding on to the lansing lug nuts like a guarded you know treasure chest of players here and they've had some really good seasons over the past years and just missing out on a really extended playoff run last season. So, all right, gentlemen. Now, I'm sorry we're going to, you know, get called up to the majors here and skip right to the Vladimania <laughs> that is surrounding this team currently. The reigning player of the week in the American League, gentlemen. Would we have expected this after... Even this early, he's literally been in the majors for what? Two weeks, three weeks now, fellas. Yeah, I mean, I think that. No, sorry, I, I think that you know we couldn't have expected anything less from Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And I know that there were a lot of folks in and around the organization that were saying that you know the process is there, right? The exit velocities are there. Um, he was just hitting balls right at guys, and while that is great, I think he also passed the eye test in some of those early at bats. I mean, he, he clearly was getting a little anxious. I know this has been said so many times, but he was clearly getting a little bit anxious at the plate. He was expanding, right? And you, you never want to expand, especially when you have plate discipline of that caliber. And we saw so many times, especially in Chicago, though we did get a little bit of help from the White Sox center fielder, Larry Garcia, which is a, an amazing play. And it was probably probably slippery. I don't, I don't think it's as much of an error as people are making it out to be, but he's getting pitches to hit now. And I think, you know, I think we'll get to this, you know, soon, but the fact that Rowdy Telez is hitting, Justin Smoke is always going to hit. I'm always amazed at the fact that even if Justin Smoke is still hitting 230, he'll have an OBP that's 350, 360. They're, they're surrounding him with good players. They're surrounding him with good hitters. You know, Eric Sogard gets on base 40% of the time so far this year. I mean, it's fantastic the way that the lineup has sort of molded to him. And I think that was the biggest issue, right? And I believe it was Scott MacArthur that brought this up earlier in the season was if you lost Vlad to a walk, and Vlad drew his fair share of walks the first week or so he was up. If you lost Vlad Jr. to a walk, you were facing Alan Hansen, Socrates Brito, Brandon Drury, Danny Jansen, who has come alive, but at the time was having some really bad at-bats. I mean, there was no incentive to really give Vlad a pitch to hit, because if you walked him, you'd be facing guys who all had batting averages under 200. Yeah, moving up to the tool hole was definitely a smart decision on the team, but Hayden, you were touching on stuff like how hard he was hitting the ball, getting line drives that were getting caught or whatnot. I'll go through some of his lines right here on StatCast. I have his StatCast page up right now. He's barreling the ball currently 10.2% of the time. His exit velocity is 91.4 miles per hour. His expected batting average is 285. Coming into tonight, it was 247. So a lot of those hard-hit balls that you were mentioning earlier, Hayden, that were going for outs and just not finding holes, 
not dropping in the outfield, should have, according to StatCast. And his heart hit percentage on 59 batted balls is 47.5%. Almost 50% of the time, he's hitting the ball hard. And now that he's getting stuff to hit, it's being it's, it's incredible to watch. He's turning into the guy everybody was expecting when he first got up here those first few weeks. Yeah, Major League Baseball is even gushing about this, and which is weird. <laughs> we have a guy, guys, that's now front and center in all of Major League Baseball that is taking it and running away with it already. He's got a ward in his in his rack already on his shelving. I, that just blows my mind that he's 20 years old and he's doing this well in his first week and I've already been showing and getting the award for it. It's crazy. Every single time he hits a bomb, Sports Center in the United States, ESPN, MLB, they're all posting about it. It just feels so weird that the Blue Jays have who is going to be the poster boy of baseball for the next hopefully 10 years. It's insane to me because there's always Mike Trout and John Carlos Stanton or Aaron Judge or Mookie Betts. Now it's being Vladimir Guerrero Jr. content all the time throughout all social channels. It's great to see. And it really is. I, th- I think we're going to see more of that, Brendan, if you can believe it, right? Like, it seemed like Vlad's debut was such this huge thing, especially in a lot of American networks. If you can believe it's going to get bigger, I think it'll get bigger, right? Like, we we haven't seen Vladimir Guerrero Jr. yet. Like, I know we think we have, but he's going to go on tears like this that are going to, well, I can't promise you that because I don't have a crystal ball. But I'd put good money on the fact that he goes on tears like this that are going to last two, three weeks. He's got five home runs so far, guys. Like, I know that home runs are a sort of archaic way to measure the true prowess of an offensive asset, but he's looked fantastic. And, Brendan, you know, you mentioned sort of the media coverage. That just helps. You know, I I think one of the sort of uh, favorite memes of Blue Jays Twitter lately is to retweet something Vlad-related and say something to the effect of, you know, inject this into my veins. Like, this is what we (laughs) as Blue Jays fans, as people who follow it, even people in the media – they love it. They love to cover Vlad. They love to talk to Vlad. They love to see him stand behind, a, a, you know, an expensive camera in San Francisco acting like a goofball. I mean, he's a, he's a great personality and everything's coming together for him right now. And it's one of those things I think Ian Hunter tweeted about this recently. This is just a reminder that Blue Jays baseball games aren't just Vlad at bats and then a bunch of stuff in between. Uh, there's going to be exciting stuff that comes and those Vlad at-bats are just going to be the spikes in already exciting games of baseball. I have to mention, the only one that might have had the crystal ball in this whole situation is the New Hampshire Fisher Cats Twitter account. Oh, of course. <laughs> They're amazing. A great <laughs> Twitter follow. Two years ago, that was, yeah. Or, yeah, that was that was the number one thing I love to watch on my Twitter feed. It's like, oh, then, then they were even making jokes about the fact, oh, oh, we don't have anything to talk about Vladdy today, but we're going to talk about Vladdy anyway. It gets like a thousand retweets. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. They were, they were such a good follow. Yeah, I, I don't think I can ever unfollow Panther Fisher Cats. Always have to stay following them. Yeah, our friends Tyler Zickel and everybody else in that um, – front office there for the media is great <laughs> so gotta get him on some point but i'll have to bug him <laughs> but anyways guys the blue jays are mounting a slight comeback right now in this game hit batter with the bases loaded bases are still loaded with two outs we're down by one three to two in the bottom of the seventh just to put it in perspective for everybody when they listen to this in the morning commutes this is where blue jay baseball has kind of been going in the last few weeks the confidence level for this team has went from bottom basement to they're digging in and they're starting to really show what these faces of the franchise could be 
coming forward. We're kind of probably going to still only see it in flashes, gentlemen, but we just saw an epic game from Roddy Telez the other night. Two home runs, five RBIs, and he almost polished off another one in the second inning of this game. Brendan, I'm going to let you kick, kick this one off first. Yeah, I'm actually scrolling through my Twitter feed to see if I can find something that I forget who the account was. I don't think I think it was retweeted onto my feed, but you can see it, it's just they're going to be so inconsistent throughout the course of the season because you have guys finding their way for the first time during the course of the big uh, big league season. March, I'm going to try to remember this tweet off the top of my head, so I may have it wrong. But March they went two and two. April they went twelve and thirteen. The beginning of May. What was it? How did they start in May? It was like one and eight, one and nine, something like that. And then since then, they've been hovering right around 500. So you eliminate that bad stretch where just nothing was going right. Everybody's getting injured. And now people are hitting again. The pitching has been okay. You're getting back to 500. There's some good developments. Honestly, I think everybody can almost agree with this. And we had this discussion with Richard Burford last week. And Craig, whenever you and I are recording this, we always say, this is the season to determine who's going to be here in the long term and the short term future. People got to carve out their niche. They got to carve out their roster spot going forward. But everybody is learning how to handle being at the big leagues for the first time during the course of a full season. So it's going to be inconsistent. But it is kind of positive to see that they've been right around 500, other than that really, really rough stretch to start. Hey. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree, Brendan. I think this. I was speaking to a couple of people um, about this recently, and the conclusion that was come to with the Blue Jays this year is this is going to be a season of moments, right? You're going to have those times. Vladdy's first home run in San Francisco. I'll remember that probably as long as I'm around baseball. Like, that's amazing, right? Rowdy Telez's two home run game. This is going to be a season of moments. And, you know, during that stretch, there really weren't a lot of great moments. Uh, you know, the the series they played in Cleveland, the four-game sweep where they, they went something like one for 20-something with runners in scoring position. It is inconsistent. But as you mentioned, I think you hit the nail on the head with that, Brendan. And Craig, you've been saying this all along. This is about testing guys, right? I mean, Brandon Drury has a 212 average right now, right? That's not good. But he's going to be getting at-bats. They need to see what they have in him. They need to see what they have in Rowdy Telez. They need to see what they have in guys like McKinney and Davis and Teoscar and Guriel and Travis if he can ever get healthy and Barucki if he comes back. Even in some of the shorter-term assets, you know, do they, you know, do they like Matt Shoemaker's uh, peripherals enough? To keep him around. Is Clayton Richards somebody they trade at the deadline? What do they do with Ken Giles? I mean, there are so many questions that I think are just gonna be just gonna be answered by Charlie trotting out these guys game after game after game and seeing how they do in low pressure situations. Because if you can deal with it in low pressure situations, then you might be able to deal with it in high pressure situations. If you're floundering in low pressure, it's gonna be really hard to do it when the heat's on. Yeah, and one of those guys that's taken that opportunity and ran with it, Joe Biagini, after last season, I would have never in a bajillion years, fellas, thought that he was going to get off to a season like he has. And maybe, Brendan, maybe you're the lucky charm, giving him his Reese's Quick Snack or whatever the heck you got him in the delicatessen. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll, 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 take, I'll take credit for that, boys. If he turns into something, maybe they flip Joe Biagini at the deadline because he could go to a team and help their bullpen. Hey, I'll take credit for that way back when uh, I get <laughs> <laughs> uh, just make sure we don't tell the trainer. Oh, oops. <laughs> nope, oh, already done. Sorry. Been out there a few times on this show. But those are the exact things, and I think there's one other, and uh, Brendan, last week, our picks to click. 
Obviously, you take the winner on this one. Calling Vladdy is going to be the you know player of the week, basically, with your pick to click. But I couldn't really argue with you on that one. I just had to pick somebody different. <laughs> so I, my pick was Trent Thornton. This is a guy that is clearly figured something out, or at least the confidence level is high enough that he thinks he's a major league p- pitcher right now. Has carried the Blue Jays through two really solid starts over the last week. And he showed he can hit, right? I was looking for <laughs> fun. On his Sandgrass page for Rory on his weighted runs created plus is like 276. So wow. I, they were also seeing on the broadcast he is lined up to likely pitch in Colorado. So we'll get to see that again. Wow. Yeah, man. There you go. I know. In and that Colorado, ballpark. too. Yeah. <laughs> I hope the, the humidor is broken. <laughs> right? The one thing that I think we saw with the Tigers, uh, the Tigers start when Trent Thornton made his big league debut, just how much spin he has on his on his breaking ball and it definitely the cold weather starts that he had at the beginning of the year wasn't helping him out but now that he's gotten in better weather he can spin the breaking ball just like it was and man you just look at his fan graphs, or sorry his uh, baseball savant page and you look at the spin rates on his off-speed stuff and his breaking balls 3,058 on a curveball and 2,650 on the slider and even on a fastball 2,359 the guy's deceptive and his delivery is very funky and can be hard to pick up. But again, just like Hayden was saying, you got to give guys like Trent Thornton a run. There was no reason. I mean, obviously injuries to the rotation helped him stay here and have his spot in the rotation penciled in. But if everybody was healthy and Trent Thornton went through that rough stretch at the beginning, they probably would have sent him down. But this isn't the season to do that. you got to see if he can be here in the long term and then the rotation for 2020 and 2021 and 2022. And now he's starting to figure it out. To me, Trent Thornton looks like he's going to be a piece in this rotation for the next three, four years, hopefully. It's a really interesting conversation with Thornton, and I'm really glad that you you know, you know mentioned the spin rate on his curve, Brendan, because that thing is nasty. And, and if anyone's interested in reading a little bit more about his windup, uh, Caitlin McGrath did an absolutely spectacular piece for The Athletic, uh, just essentially saying, why does this guy kick his leg over his head sort of like Bronson Arroyo used to do for the Cincinnati Reds? But no, <laughs> you know, I, I agree, Brendan, 100% with the fact that he should be here right now, regardless of how good he's doing. I mean, the guy's got 50 innings, right? If he keeps this up and doesn't get hurt, he'll get hopefully to 150 by the end of the year, and that'll be a really, really telling stretch. 150 innings is a lot, right? So so I think at that point, you'll be able to say Trent Thornton's a piece of the future or Trent Thornton's not a piece of the future. I know everyone's going to come after me for this, but I want to see Sean Reed Foley in the majors. I want to see what he's made of. I think it's been long enough, right? I, I don't want Sean Reed Foley. I know he's a pitcher versus a position player, but I don't want Sean Reed Foley to suffer from Dalton Pompey syndrome, which is, you know, staying in the minors, waiting for the development, and then all of a sudden you look and he's 26, 27, taking up a 40-man spot. It's a little difficult right now to visualize where some of these guys fit, but Thornton's been a nice surprise. And look, 441 ERA in the fifth spot. I mean, I know he's not technically the fifth starter. He's pretty much the third starter. But, you know, they took a lottery ticket prospect, turned him into a Ledmus Diaz, and then flipped to Thornton, who becomes a free agent after the 2025 season. So a pretty good day overall, and and I just want to see this guy pitch more. I just want to see him go through rough stretches. I know that sounds cynical, but then I want to see him bounce back. I mean, aside from the curveball, this guy can locate his fastball. Pitch count's been an issue for him. He's walked some guys. But it's just it, it's really entertaining to see him and see the way that he's been developing, and I can't wait to see it continue. You know what? You bring up Sean, you bring up Sean Reed Foley. Craig and I discussed this with Richard Burford last week. It's still so impressive that in a season where he's walked 32 guys, 
in 37 AAA innings, that he still has 42 strikeouts. The guy has an arm. It's no secret that Sean Reed Foley could be a legitimate impact arm at the big league level. And yeah, I, you know what? If he puts together two or three solid starts in a row and may need a starter to come up here and fill a rotation spot, I absolutely want it to be Sean Reed Foley and try to get him out there for five, six, seven times through, or even the remainder of the season, because you're going to have to make a call on him at some point. Aaron Sanchez had this exact same issue in the minor leagues when he was coming up. He was walking guys, still getting the strikeouts. Walks were preventing Aaron Sanchez from growing and developing as a pitcher. He got to the big league level, was able to iron that out, being around the best of the best coaches in the minor league system. So, I don't know, guys. Sean Lee Foley still has an arm. It's very impressive that he still can strike out 42 guys in 37 innings, and he's got good stuff. So that stuff plays. He's just got to figure out the walks and hopefully getting up here with guys like Pete Walker and other guys in the organization at the major league level that can help iron out Sean Reed Foley. I'm getting pretty close to wanting to call him back up again because there's nobody stepping up in, in Buffalo outside. Like, nobody's stepping up in Buffalo, Sean Reed Foley included. But you're going to have to make a call on some of these guys eventually. There's only so many knuckleball players that have came from Korea lately. Oh, wow. Yeah, well, right, you bet. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know, guys. That It's it's so complicated. And, and Brendan, you, know, you mentioned no guys are stepping up in Buffalo. The top three guys who are pitching the most innings in Buffalo are Reed Foley, Sean Morimondo, and Jacob Bigas pack And none of them have been particularly effective. So, yeah, at a certain point, you just got to make a call. I mean, I've still been waiting on them to give him a decent shot. The thing with Reed Foley last year, he seemed to show these – these weird sort of flashes of brilliance but yeah when a guy was as high in the system as he was you got to think at some point he's got to get the call up and it's it's almost comedic how much this rotation has taken a beating you know like like the shoemaker thing was it was just a kick in the pants in a lot of ways right Barucki, i haven't heard much about Barucki. i know he's progressing but it's it's just difficult to fathom at this point that this is going to be a somewhat serviceable starting rotation. So I just give him a chance. I think that's what this year is about. I, I talked to a lot of people about this before the season started. I don't really care what the record is. Yes, it might be a little bit of a painful season, but it's about testing out assets. Yeah. You know, the one thing that I was hearing, I forget who was saying it. I actually think it was funny enough. His name's been brought up a whole bunch tonight already. Scott MacArthur, they had him on Baseball Central the other day. Maybe it wasn't Scotty Mack, but regardless, whoever it was that they had on with Barker um, and Jeff Blair, when they discussed Sean Reed Foley, they said the one thing that the Blue Jays organization didn't like with him was his outbursts on the mound. He could really tell he was beating himself up, but he would just not look comfortable out there, start beating himself up mentally, so that's one thing he's going to have to fix when he gets back up here. I got to throw just, one more arm oh, sorry, out there. Go ahead. No I got to throw one more arm out there because Brendan knows I got a man crush on him. <laughs> Yesney Diaz? Hasn't allowed <laughs> hasn't allowed an in or a run in those last fourteen innings in New Hampshire. That's two two shutout starts, and he's been fantastic, Craig. And it's funny. So I I, I um you know we saw him at Winterfest and and he was very gracious and very nice and seemed to be a little bit nervous. Understandable. He's a really young guy, but you can tell he has that composure. I'm really glad, Brendan, you brought up the composure issue with Sean Reed Foley because we just spent a little bit of time talking about Trent Thornton. Trent Thornton's had some subpar starts but you would not be able to tell it in the way he's pitching. Like, this kid is chill on the mound, right? And that's something that's so, I don't know if it's, I would say it's comforting, but if you're, you know, if your defensive player is playing behind a pitcher, this guy doesn't get rattled, even though he's been knocked around a little bit. And I think that shows a lot of professionalism. Just wanted to touch on that with Thornton, but Genzi Diaz has definitely been really great. He was fantastic last year in Lansing and, and just really an exciting name overall. 
Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Patrick Murphy and him are on the short list to be hurried up to Buffalo to see what you got. Because in all reality, the two of them have looked so impressive at various varying points in the season so far already in the Eastern League. I want to see a challenge. And I think that's where they're going to probably get it right now is by going up and trying to save that <laughs> rotation in Buffalo. <laughs> but it is what it is. Well. Our, uh, maybe we can try to plan our Bison's road trip with the three of us when Ian Diaz or Patrick Murphy get the call. There you go. We do it. Let's do it. So <laughs> now that we've talked about all the good things, fellas, Unfortunately, there are some things surrounding the team and certain players right now that are a little bit of a wild card, I guess is the best way of saying it. We have the fun with Aaron Sanchez with his blister again, but as of tonight, guys, I don't see any blister issue. It's weird that the same same thing keeps coming up. I honestly think that is just a factor of the weather. I think he was even saying it, and they were talking about on the broadcast earlier with all the cold weather. He'd go back in, warm it back up. It just wasn't working for him. But apparently the size of his blister, Pat Tower was saying, is so minuscule, it didn't seem to bother him. And I think the clearest indication of that was how many curveballs he was throwing tonight. He was throwing that curve quite a bit, so he looked all right. I think we're at the point, guys, and I don't really want to be a negative negative Nancy with regards to this whole thing. I think with Aaron Sanchez, I think we need to see it to believe it, right? And Aaron Sanchez has been so injury-prone with this, which is why I've, I believe that it's probably easier to trade him than Strowman, although that's a completely different conversation. But I think we need to see more of these starts. And Aaron is, is one of the nicest guys on the team, and you know he'll be the first to tell you. I mean, he said it you know, after the game. It's the same stuff that's been getting him down. This guy can't shake it. But yeah, if he can get healthy, he's a weapon. And we saw this. Like, I, you know, we keep having to remind ourselves he led the league in the ERA at one point, or rather the American League. And he was unhittable that year. And even in the in the brief stint that he had uh, in the eighth inning, I don't know if you guys remember that tandem. It was seventh be a genie, eighth Sanchez, and then the ninth was Osuna. I mean, it seems like many moons ago. But he's still a very talented young player, and I I hope the best is yet to come, but we'll have to see. I really do think that the best is yet to come for Aaron Sanchez because you, you guys you put the, put it right into perspective. It has happened, and it's just, it's going to happen again. He, it's not like he's been blowing his arm out or anything. We're talking about little freaking you know skin molecules here getting in his way, <laughs> you know. But it's going to happen, and I just hope that it's going to happen in a Blue Jay uniform, but. At this point, we have no idea. It could be one of those things that he's going to go out there and just run wild and do a great job, and then he's going to be shipped off because of the whole Boris nonsense. But it is what it is, fellas, and that's unfortunately how this front office and all Major League Baseball teams are trying to run their teams these days, trying to keep costs down and let the young young kids run in with it. And right now, that is full the business model for the Toronto Blue Jays. The other side of this coin is Marcus Stroman, fellas who, in last night's game, kind of got in trouble for a quick pitch, I guess, or at least there was some chirping and bantering going back and forth between him and the Boston Red Sox uh, dugout. I don't understand why this keeps on being a talking point about Marcus Stroman with opposing teams. It's, It's legal. You're allowed to quick pitch, guys. Johnny Cueto does it. I forget the other name that Cliff Floyd was going through on Baseball Central, but there's, some, there's two or three other guys that always quick pitch throughout the course of a game. I don't know why. Maybe it's just because of the shimmy and everything. It just gets under people's skin. 
when they face Marcus Stroman, that cocky confidence, which Ed, I, I love it. I love Marcus <laughs> Stroman's cocky confidence out in the mound. But he's our new Jose he's Bautista talking. attitude, right? <laughs> exactly. I just don't understand why this continues to be a talking point and why people take exception to it. If you're taking a long time to get ready in the box, you're not quite set, and Stroman's ready to go, go for it. It's a competitive advantage that he has at his disposal to be able to quick pitch guys and get them off their balance. I don't know why Michael Chavis was getting upset last night. He was the one who first took exception to it because that's who Stroman quick pitched. This guy has barely been in the bigs, been in the bigs for a few years, or for right? a few weeks. Exactly, it hasn't even been that long. But like, come on! And I don't know what the whole thing was with the dugout. Alice Cora was saying he was trying to get the attention of the umpire, probably to talk about the quick pitch thing. And apparently, Chris Sale was shouting something that Stroman didn't hear. I don't know. It, it's absolutely silly. It's in the midst of all this, life. I think the most hilarious thing is. Nobody's talking about the fact that Michael Chavez kept stepping out of the box. <laughs> yeah. Know, I, if I'm Stroman exactly. in that situation, I'm going to throw the ball right you know, right down the freaking middle while he's not paying attention. If he, you're going to keep stepping out of the box trying to mess with my time, Stroman's the one controlling the game, not the guy in the batter's box. I think you guys both, you know, hit it perfectly. You know, Brendan, with regards to Marcus Stroman's confidence, I can understand. Not that I'm justifying it or say that I'm for and against it. I can understand that if you're a little bit bothered by Marcus Stroman's confidence, right? Like sometimes it can come across, you know, a little bit unsavory and that's fine. But that's not what we're talking about here, right? We're talking about the quick pitch and you said it perfect. It's perfectly legal and if you guys get the chance and i've done this on occasion brendan you and i actually talked about this at some point last year you know a lot of the pitchers the old school style pitchers brendan you mentioned tyler clippard would just take forever and a day between pitches right that's not what we're seeing yeah. anymore from some of these younger guys i mean one of my favorite examples is is ryan baraki when he comes back you know i'll get to really show you guys this he gets it he gets set he takes a breath and he's back in the same with Strowman. these guys work quickly and, and that's something that the game has to catch up to. And you know what? I feel like when, when Rob Manfred talks about pace of play, I think he really should stress batters getting out of the box. So the whole quick pitch thing, I agree, is completely ridiculous. It's a competitive advantage. And and really, you know, the fact that that, that Chavis was, was a little bit annoyed by that, I think, was sort of his own frustration uh, in that moment. But I agree. You know, the whole thing with the shimmy and the quick pitch, that's Strowman's thing. If the delivery is repeatable, that's what makes it hittable. And you got to keep changing. And I think that's what Strowman's got. And I, I don't get it. I think the Red Sox were a little bit disappointed. They were getting, you know, they were getting beat up on. But you know, we'll see what happens with Strowman in the future. And the flip side of that, they were beating up on us the night before. So it's like, really, come on. <laughs> this has been a complete series of back and forth, and we're seeing that again in tonight's game. But the fact in the video, if you watch that so-called quick pitch. You see him step into the box. He puts his bat down on the plate, had his hand up, signaling to the umpire that he was not ready, drops the hand, puts it on the bat, gets ready, but he's still looking down at home plate. In that same moment, that's when the umpire puts his hand down, and literally like a second after that, that's when Stroman throws the ball. There was nothing wrong with what happened there, and the fact that it that the, anybody in Major League Baseball would bring up exception to that, Keep your damn hand up until you're ready to swing. Then we won't have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I said it. <laughs> no, I, I think the main thing with this, and, and this is you know one of my favorite lines in the baseball rulebook to refer to, it is to the discretion of the umpire to grant time. Right? Just because you're a batter and you put your you know you put your hand up does not mean that the world and the game has stopped. Now, 
99% of times when a batter puts their hand up, time is granted because it's a pitcher that's taking too long to get the sign from their catcher. Or it's a guy who's getting a little bit antsy. Or it's a catcher who's shuffling a little too much and is, and is throwing off their focus. But there is nothing in the rule book that says when you request time, it must be given to you. And in the words of, of David Price, or rather paraphrasing, if you don't like it, hit better. <laughs> that is my favorite saying of all baseball time, other than, you know, you're killing me, Smalls. <laughs> I love it. Love it. <laughs> but, so, fellas, I got to say it because we haven't talked about him too much in this show. Smoke bomb just happened in tonight's game. We're now trailing by one. And I think the most hilarious thing that I just happened to look over on my TV and see, first pitch to Roddy Telez after he shows bunt when he's as hot as he is. <laughs> yeah, That's just I don't funny. like that. <laughs> I don't like that. <laughs> it's just messing with the right. pitcher, I hope. It, but yeah, I just think it's very odd and weird. But So we talked Strowman. We talked Sanchez. The last touchy note, and I think this is the one that probably rings true with the most people. And, Brendan, you were at the ballpark for this, weren't you, yesterday for Victoria Day? With the Blatty Nightmare? Yeah. I sure was. <laughs> What was the? Did it, did it feel like everybody was excited before the game? Then it was like the winds cut pulled out of the sails, or was it just like everybody was frustrated after hearing that news in the ball ballpark that day? You know what, man? I didn't pay attention to it because it didn't bother me. Mm-hmm. I think, especially Hayden and I, we come from a position of privilege where we can go to games when we want because we live right around the dome and live in the GTA, have access to the subway, we can walk. Craig, I know you're a little further away, but you were able to make Vlad Jr.'s debut work to come down for that. So it didn't bother me because I knew I was going to be able to go see Vladimir Guerrero Jr. again if I wanted to. I could have gone last night or I could have gone tonight. Right there. No. <laughs> exactly. I, I, heard sm- I heard the home run horn from my condo where I'm recording right now before it actually went out of the ballpark. So I knew it was happening. But no, it didn't, I didn't pay attention to it. I also didn't get. I think people were definitely more upset of the fact that they were getting their shit, the shit kicked out of them. So that is definitely what made people upset. I'm just surprised at how angry people were about it. I didn't expect this level of frustration and anger to boil over. But after a few days of stewing on it, I had a very extreme opinion on it right at the beginning, where I was like, "Why are you? Up, uh, why are you voicing your displeasure? You are allowed to do that." I will say, "You're allowed to voice your displeasure. You're a paying ticket holder." You want to see the best on-field product possible, and that includes Fly Jr. And they could have they could have rested him on Sunday. They could have rested him yesterday, but they decided to on Victoria Day. The one thing that's bothering me the most about it, which is interesting to see if this develops it, is the way Ross Atkins handled the question yesterday. The way I took that as, he kind of threw Charlie Montoya under the bus without kind of intentionally trying to do that. Saying the lineup is up to Charlie Montoya. It's my fault I didn't communicate the importance of Victoria Day to Charlie, but Charlie sets the lineups every day. So that That's is what bothered me. Uh, that same statement rang true today on High Heat on the MLB Network, but he more or less did accept fault for the situation. He goes, "I we never thought in a million years we'd get this kind of blown out of proportion kind of thing, and we're sorry. Well, you know, <laughs> they'll try to do better was more or less what I got out of it. But I remember yeah, going I, up when I was a kid, you know, and this is when the, the dome was packed. There's no seats available. You're buying your tickets months in advance, not getting walk-up seats like you do these days. I would go up to see Joe Carter, Carlos Delgado, Roy Halladay, all these guys. And there were a good handful of occasions, man, that I, who I went to go see didn't play that day. Did it hurt my feelings? No. Was I a little disappointed? 
maybe, you know, but I still was at a Major League Baseball game enjoying the environment of a Major League Baseball game. It's still different than going and watching it on TV. I went there to the ballpark. I had a good time regardless of who was on the field. And in most of those games, the Blue Jays ended up winning. So maybe that helped. But a blowout like that, it doesn't help any. I think one of the biggest things is, and I, I totally agree with what Brendan said, and I agree, you know, him and I particularly, and a lot of folks in and around Toronto are spoiled. I mean, you know, the, that's the truth of the matter. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is going to be here for a bunch of years, and we have the pleasure of seeing that almost whenever we want. I, I think the way that I looked at it, so I, I get the sort of Montoya throwing it under the bus thing. I was a little confused by just what Ross Atkins has said, that he didn't communicate the importance of Victoria Day to Montoya. That's a little bit confusing to me because Victoria Day is kind of a seminal part of Canadian culture. And I know, you know, the fact that it was a nice day, even though the dome was closed, that's a big part of spring. I know, you know, a lot of classmates and I growing up, we'd get really excited when it was Victoria Day because we knew summer's coming. Start a baseball season, that means summer's spring is kind of sort of here. Victoria Day, summer's coming, and we're almost there. But the other thing that sort of, I don't know if it bothered me or just that I was sort of questioning, was the fact that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. had a tremendous set of series series in Chicago (laughs) and San Francisco. He was on fire. So from a purely baseball standpoint, resting your best player in a situation like that is not particularly smart. Now, I'm not in the dugout. I'm not in the clubhouse. I don't know how Vlad was feeling that day, right? But... To a certain extent, you'd think that you'd sort of want to ride him as long as you can. You know, you ride the hot hand. It's the exact reason why Eric Sogard's still leading off tonight. Um, I, I agree with Brady. You stew on it for a little bit, but you get back up and you realize Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is a Toronto Blue Jay. There's baseball like this tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day. Yeah, I agree with you, Hayden. I think the one other thing that people are grasping at straws in terms of being angry with the front office is that they're American and they just don't understand the importance of Victoria Day to Canadians. Well, the one thing I find so funny is, and at Sasha919 brought this up the other day, since 2010, the Blue Jays have played, uh, didn't even play on Victoria Day five times since 2010. And twice they were on the road. So they've barely been at home. So when did Victoria Day for Blue Jays fans being at home become such a big deal? It's another day. I get it. It's a holiday. You're starting the game at 1 o'clock. You can come in, make plans to be in Toronto for the weekend if you're out of the city. I get it from that perspective. But I never understood the big hoopla around the fan base. It's, oh, it's Victoria Day. Everybody has to play. It would be interesting to see on Memorial Day in the United States this weekend what big superstars are sitting. I think it's going to make a big stink about that. Fourth of July, too. We'll see. Not every single superstar plays on the Fourth of July. So, and just for the yeah, fact I, that there's I, like there are over 30 teams that are American, I guarantee you there is a good probability that some superstar will be sitting on Memorial Day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I, yeah, I, I, again, I'll, I'll put I'll end it with this because I don't want to reopen this can of worms any further after tonight. My final thoughts in it are: if you're coming from out of the city, you paid to see, you paid in advance to have this ticket. You want to see the best product from the field. He didn't play and that might be your only Blue Jay game for the year. So I definitely understand the disappointment, and I definitely understand the level of complaints and airing your frustrations with the team for not playing in. But at the same time, you can come back next year. I'm sure you'll make plans to come do a game maybe a few months from now. So you will get your chance to see Vlad Jr. 
So just be happy that he's here. Hayden, you summed it up perfectly. He's a Blue Jay. You're going to be able to watch him on TV, and you will probably get to another game within the near future. So how much of this is guarantees that he'll be playing on Canada Day? Well, that's what I was just going to say. That's what I was just going to say. I, you know, I really like what Brendan said about Victoria Day not being a huge thing. And again, I'll end it off here. Canada Day is a big thing. You got the red jerseys. You got the long weekend yeah. in July after June where you're pretty much working the entire thing. Like that's a huge thing for, for, for Canadians. And uh, especially because it doesn't get a lot of coverage in the States because it gets overshadowed by the fourth. But yeah, he's got to play on Canada Day. Yeah. And I just as an American, I think it's funny because I've actually been up for a Canada Day weekend, and I've had a great damn time, and I loved every minute of it. And I think the whole thing about the management maybe not getting the Victoria Day thing as Americans is a little funny because they're still Toronto Blue Jays front office members. Me being a Toronto Blue Jay fan, I still know how big a deal it is. <laughs> it's a holiday. Everybody, <laughs> it, 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 it just doesn't make any sense to me. But Greg, I think we should give you your honorary Canadian citizen. I was just going to say... <laughs> <laughs> just because I'm literally wearing a Roy Holiday Hall of Fame shirt and my blue, my new Blue Jay hat that I bought on Vladdy Day. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. They after went to You know what? If you guys want a good follow on Twitter, and I'm sure a few of you follow him that's listening to the show, I'm not sure if either of you do, but follow Ryan Barucki's brother, Matt Barucki. Oh, he's hilarious. He's hilarious. hilarious. And his, his tweet about Canada Day that you brought that up, Hayden, he said yesterday, 11 hours, or I guess it was this morning, 11 hours ago, Everyone, please calm down about Vladdy's rest day. His next scheduled day off is until July the 1st. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I love the That's humor. Yeah. I love it. All right. So, fellas, it's been a complete blast. I'm so glad that we got to do this, all three of us together again, because it feels kind of a little bit like a homecoming with you coming back here to the show a little bit, Hayden. So I'm glad we were able to squeak this one out. Tell us what you're working on, what's going on, what's happening in Hayden Godfrey's world. Well, I don't know if you want to know the whole thing, Craig, but I'll tell you what's going on in the, in the baseball part of my world. Um, so I'm doing, doing a lot of work, as always, with the wonderful folks over at Jay's Journal, um, doing some writing, getting some analysis down, you know, just putting a lot of thoughts that some people might be interested in. We touched a little bit on my work. Well, not a little bit. We touched on my work with the Lansing Lugnuts. That's going to go on throughout the summer, and I'm thrilled about that. I'm also doing some work over at Blue Jays Nation. Um, and, you know, writing little bits of things here and there. But overall, I think just enjoying the summer and, you know, trying to give people some thoughts that maybe they didn't know. And especially, you know, my work with the Lugnuts, I think, has done that a little bit. And I'm really, really proud to keep it going. Awesome, Hayden. So if you've been doing work with uh, Blue Jays Nation, I'm sure you've gotten in with uh, Ryan DeFrancesco. Him and I have been playing a game on Twitter that you might want to see if you can come up with a good one here to throw him. Two, two Blue Jays players, ex-players or ex personalities, ex-Blue Jays characters, whatever it might be, right? Pick two, two of them. Not only name the, po- you know, and name the podcast that the two of them would do together. Oh, boy. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to have to get back to you on that one. I will that, get that's back. That's a future reference. <laughs> oh, you bet. Yeah. It's whoa, a fun whoa, one. Whoa. I just got to give you the closing on one of the ones I did with them. I had um, Jason Grilly and David Wells together. And I called it. it the bomber, the boomer with che- boomer with grilled cheese. Love it. <laughs> I think it's awesome. <laughs> so it's fun stuff, but it's a good good random talking point with him because it was one of those fun things him and I were back and forth on Twitter with, and we got a bunch of other people in involved on it too. So I guess it's this blue blue jay blogger uh, handshake. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it, man. Brendan, 
what's happening with you or where's your gonna where's your Blue Jay fandom or Raptors fandom leading this these these days? Oh, Raptor fandom as a bandwagoner, I will admit I am definitely a Raptor bandwagoner. It's kind of hard to not be paying attention to them, but it is really exciting being only two wins away from an NBA Finals. But no, uh, we'll continue to. I'm not sure when we'll record next, Craig, but uh, stay tuned for our next episode whether we have another guest on or if it's just back to us two idiots talking about this baseball team. Uh, but yeah, yeah, exactly. We'll bring back the shenanigans with the two of us. But uh, Hayden, thanks for joining us, man. Great insight as always. Love talking baseball with you. Keep up what you're doing because based on the sounds and the way you sound on this podcast, and I'll be listening to it again tomorrow, you got a future in this business, and I want to see you do it. So keep it up, buddy. Uh, Brandon, that means a lot to me, and I, you know, I, I should say just while we're on here, I really appreciate the support both of you guys have given me. It's really comforting, and and I really appreciate you know all the support on Twitter in person. It, it really is a blast, and I'm I'm glad I could uh, come on here and help you out a little bit, guys. Too easy, man. Don't forget who oh. your friends are when you do become big, though. Just say <laughs> yeah, that's at least a couple of tickets under a table, a free beer. I don't care. Oh, well, that's fine. Yeah, don't yeah. worry about it, guys. I got you. I got and road you. trip pending. Let's do it. We'll do it. <laughs> All right. Blue Jays fans, this has been Hayden Godfrey, our guest here with me, Craig Borden, and Brendan Panikar here as your typical Jaybird watching Blue Jays shenanigans continue to ensue week to week here. Usually we're around Wednesdays. <laughs> it seems to be the general rule of thumb. But make sure you hit up on subscribe buttons on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasting pleasures from, and you'll make sure you get those updates right to your phones as you're doing your morning commutes, drives, whatever it may be. And don't forget to make sure you jump in on, if you can, hit up our new ad that is going to be hitting on this episode, actually. You will actually have a chance to send us voice messages that we can actually answer on the show. It's a wonderful new tool that our providers at Anchor.fm are going to be using. And we just want to talk. That's what Brendan and I really got into starting this was just interacting with Blue Jays fans on Twitter. Hayden's jumped into our shenanigans. And that's really, fellas, I think what really got us all interested in this in the first place. Am I wrong? You're not wrong. (laughs) (laughs) At Coma Silence. (laughs) <laughs> so, but anyway, we will be back next week for another episode of Jaybird Watching. Thank you very much. And most importantly, let's go Blue Jays. Go Blue Jays. <laughs>